Only the day before, Trooper Evans had discussed with his co-workers what it must feel like to die. Now, lying on the cold ground, he prepared himself to face that reality. This is The Miracle Files. I'm Emily Jones. And I'm Holly Worthington. We're two sisters who love a captivating true story, but we're also seeking more light in our lives. So we're on a mission to find and share unforgettable, uplifting stories of God's miracles. We hope you'll join us on this journey. Welcome back to The Miracle Files. We're really excited to share the story that we have today. Yeah, if you like true crime podcasts, then today's episode is for you. Mm -hmm. It's pretty intense. Yep. This is a story about a police officer who was on patrol duty, and we're excited to share this story to honor this police officer and other police officers who put their lives at risk to help protect us. Yes. When I first heard this story, I could not believe it. It's a little bit gut-wrenching. It's a little bit, um, I don't know. Gory. A little bit gory. Yeah, unfortunately. Sorry. But yeah, but just an unbelievable story. So I really am excited for our listeners to hear this one. On a crisp autumn day in 1978, Trooper Ralph Evans drove his patrol vehicle down Interstate 15, heading toward a minor car accident. As he rounded a turn on the freeway near an amusement park called Lagoon, he spotted a jeep pulled off in the emergency lane. This wasn't the accident he was heading to, but he decided to stop quickly and check on this situation. A man and young teenage boy stood next to the front fender of the jeep. As Trooper Evans pulled up behind the jeep, he expected the man and boy to come and speak to him. Instead, the two remained at the front of the jeep, ignoring his presence. Trooper Evans needed to get to the car accident he'd been heading to, and he could see there were no injuries. The man and boy didn't seem to need his help, so he started to pull out to leave. Just as he was passing the Jeep, he spotted movement in the road about 100 feet in front of him. Two young women jumped up and down, frantically waving, and ran toward him. Trooper Evans pulled around to the side of the freeway again, One of the women ran to his patrol car and opened the passenger side door, yelling, I want that man arrested. He assaulted us. He threw us out of the car and told us to walk home. Trooper Evans tried to calm the women and told them to stay there. He radioed into the sheriff's office to see if they had a deputy who could come and handle the assault incident. But unfortunately, no one was available. Trooper Evans assessed the situation as quickly as he could. As he got closer to the jeep this time, he could tell the man standing there was intoxicated. He discovered the boy was only 13 years old and had been driving the car. He explained to the man that he was under arrest for public intoxication and placed handcuffs on him. As he did, the boy cried, Don't hurt my daddy! Trooper Evans assured the boy that he had no intentions of hurting his father. He explained that he would take him and his father back to the police station where the boy could call his mother. As he tried to move the man toward his patrol car, the man suddenly flung himself to the ground and yelled out, Don't kick me! This behavior confused Trooper Evans. 
Again, he assured the man that he had no intention of kicking him or hurting him in any way. Meanwhile, unbeknownst to Trooper Evans, the 13-year-old boy had reached under the seat of his father's car and found a semi-automatic pistol. The trooper stood next to the man on the ground, trying to reason with him to get up and get into his vehicle. Behind Trooper Evans, the boy raised the gun. The trooper told the man on the ground that he would have to drag him to the car if he wouldn't get up. And that's when it happened. The boy pulled the trigger. A loud bang rang out in Trooper Evans' ears. Instantaneously, a force spun Trooper Evans around and a bullet launched into his jaw. The bullet traveled through his jaw, severed his carotid artery, and then lodged in his shoulder. Trooper Evans dropped to the ground onto his stomach. He could feel blood immediately gushing out of the side of his head and neck. There was a short pause before another bullet hit him in his lower back. Two other shots rang out, but Trooper Evans didn't know where those bullets had gone. He tried to move, but his body was not responding. He lay in a growing pool of blood as he listened to the Jeep's engine start up. The father climbed into the passenger side of the vehicle, and the two raced away. Trooper Evans heard the young woman scream into the police microphone, Help! Help! The policeman has been shot! Only the day before, Trooper Evans had been talking to his co-workers about what it must feel like to die. One of his friends had suggested that maybe the spirit left the body out of the head, because people often experienced their feet and bodies growing cold before dying. His theory was that this sensation was the spirit leaving the body. Trooper Evans tried to wiggle his toes to see if they'd started getting cold. A person with a severed carotid artery can bleed out in under five minutes. He knew he was going to die. He thought of his wife, his children. He didn't want to leave them, but he also understood reality. With each beat of his heart, blood spurted from his neck. As much as he wanted to see his wife and children again in this life, he resolved himself that instead, he would have to see them again in the next. And then... Trooper Evans heard a voice. It was a gentle, calm voice. The voice said, I'm a doctor, and I'll do all I can to help you. Only minutes before, in a nearby town, Dr. Stanley Green and his wife had been sitting at the home of Dr. Green's parents. They'd been visiting from California and were planning to fly home later that day. They had hours to go before their flight left but something told Dr. Green and his wife that they needed to leave immediately instead. Here's what happened, according to Dr. Green. When we were ready to go home, Diane and I felt this feeling that both of us, we didn't talk about it at first, but we both felt like we needed to leave three hours early. Three hours early seemed unnecessary for a domestic flight, but both Dr. Green and his wife felt the same strong feeling to not wait a moment longer, but leave now. And so we told my parents, we've got to leave three hours early. And my daddy said, if you feel that way, then let's do it. So we had the kids in the car and drove to the airport. 
As Dr. Green and his family drove down the freeway, rounding the curve near the amusement park, they spotted blue and red lights flashing in the distance. We saw a car off in the distance uh, with its circular light flashing. And we saw these girls kind of waving their hands. And then as we drove by, Dad slowed down, and we noticed a body on the side of the road. And the girls were screaming, and we see another car drive off in the distance. Dr. Green's father pulled into the emergency lane. He suggested Dr. Green help the man lying there. Dr. Green rushed to the body. When I turned the body over, the carotid artery had been severed and blood just shot onto me. Got my clothes all bloody. Literally, the blood was shooting eight feet out of his neck. And I knew that if he was going to live, I had to stop the bleeding. So I took my index finger and poked it in the hole. And it stopped bleeding. And I uh, noticed that he also was shot in the back. And uh, that wasn't my worry. It was the carotid artery that worried me. I didn't dare move my hand away because I knew if I did, he'd bleed some more. So I just held my finger and then talked to the thing and told him that, that we were going to keep him alive and he would live. The saying goes that there are no coincidences. And when Dr. Green's father looked closer at the policeman lying on the ground, he was startled to find that he knew Trooper Evans personally. Dr. Green's father had been Ralph Evans' PE teacher and driver's ed instructor years before. Dr. Green and his father stayed with Trooper Evans until he was in safe hands. Had we been three or four minutes early, we wouldn't have stopped because he wouldn't have been shot. If we'd have been three or four minutes late, he'd have been dead. And when the ambulance people got there, the ambulance tech tried to start an IV and he couldn't because the blood pressure was low. So I took his finger and poked his finger in the neck. And I started the IV and then they loaded him in the ambulance. Dr. Green stayed with Trooper Evans until the ambulance drove away. Without any fanfare, Dr. Green made his way to the airport. He must have made quite a sight. When we got to the airport, we were now almost late, and uh, I was covered in blood. I couldn't go change my shirt or anything, so I went to the bathroom and washed the hands as best I could and washed my face, then came out, and they led us on the plane with blood all over me. Of course, today, if that had happened, they'd have arrested me. But uh, Diane and I felt like it was a miracle that we had heard the Lord say, a three hours early. Thanks to that miracle, Trooper Evans didn't die that day. Here's Ralph Evans himself describing his own perspective. He'll never forget the moment when he first heard Dr. Green tell him he was there to help. Well, as I lay there, I thought, this is over, it's done, I'm, I'm dying. And then as I lay there, I heard somebody say, I'm a doctor and I'll do all I can to help. I said, Doc, just keep me alive, Doc. Don't you dare let me die. And when I said that to him, he pointed at the heavens and he said, with his help and mine, we'll get you through it. As he knelt there, he said, you've got a severed artery in your neck. I'm going to have to shut the bleeding off. And when I do, it's probably going to hurt. But up until that point, I knew I'd been shot and it didn't hurt. I felt no pain whatsoever. 
But as soon as he told me when he started massaging that artery, it was going to hurt. I had pain like I've never felt in my life. Unbelievable pain. I wish he hadn't told me. Maybe it wouldn't have hurt. I don't know. But he massaged that artery up and got it taken care of, shut the bleeding off, stayed with me until the paramedics arrived. Never told anybody who he was. Just stayed there, and they, when he finally got the needle in, everything done, he went over, got in the car, and took off to the airport. The ambulance transported the trooper to a nearby hospital. It was determined that Trooper Evans' injuries were too severe for that hospital to treat, so he was then life-flighted to another hospital. Meanwhile, the father and boy who had shot Trooper Evans carjacked two cars at gunpoint and led the police on a high-speed chase until they crashed their stolen vehicle. And as they were working on them, our chopper was flying over with me in it, heading for the hospital. And one of the paramedics on the chopper said, hey, they've got the people that shot you. They've been involved in an accident. We're just flying over the scene there. Relieved to know his malefactors would no longer terrorize anyone else, Trooper Evans finally reached the second hospital, where he was able to receive more intensive care. His flight just happened to be one of the first life flights in the state. The Intermountain Life Flight Program had started just three months earlier, only the seventh program in the United States. Trooper Evans wished to thank the doctor who had stopped and saved his life, but the man had left without telling anyone who he was. The trooper was grateful to finally learn the doctor's name. Dr. Stanley Green was his name. I learned that later after he, I finally got to the hospital and all was done, but he never told anybody who he was. His mother ultimately called the highway patrol and told them that it was Dr. Stanley Green who had saved my life. What do you owe somebody who saved your life? You know, what do you give somebody like that who's there when you absolutely needed him? Dr. Green just responded when he was told to leave and he got it done. And like he told me here a while back, he said, you know, if I'd have been five minutes earlier, they'd have not shot you yet. They'd have been gone. If I'd have been five minutes later, they'd have bled to death. So he got there exactly when I needed him. Within a minute that when I was shot, he showed up to keep me alive. And that wasn't the only miracle. At the time, Dr. Green was in his radiology residency. He explained how he knew exactly what to do that day. It was a miracle for me because the week before it happened, we had discussed in my training a lot of stuff about carotid artery and carotid pressure because in the military they told us sometimes people would be shot in the neck and I had to know how to do this. And so we discussed it and how it wasn't just enough to stop the bleeding from the carotid artery below, but you also had to stop the bleeding from the carotid artery above. And it was like I was listening to my professors say, stop the bleeding, put pressure above it, hold it down, talk to him gently, tell him that he'll be all right. And that's what we had been trained to do a week and a half earlier. So the miracle started long before the event happened. Trooper Evans' wife also had an unbelievable experience the day her husband was shot. She was so in tune with her beloved husband that when the shots rang out 14 miles from her home, she somehow heard the sound. She was at home playing with our two smallest kids in the front room. Uh, two bigger kids were in the front yard playing. She said about 6 o'clock or thereabouts, she heard a gunshot, pause, and three more gunshots. She ran to the front window to see who had a gun in the front yard. She didn't get a gun. 
didn't see anything, so she didn't think anything more about it. About a half hour later, the sergeant lieutenant came to the house to tell her that I'd been injured. Didn't say how, just said that I'd been injured. They said, yeah, he's at the hospital now. We're here to give you a ride to the hospital. Two days later, she was sitting by the head of the bed as a deputy came in to get a statement from me to what had happened. And I said, well, he shot me in the head first. I went down. There was a pause as he walked over closer, shot me in the back. So I heard two more gunshots. Didn't know where they went, but I knew he'd shot two more times. And as my wife was sitting there next to me, she said, that's exactly what I heard when I was in the living room. I didn't know that's what had happened to you, but I heard those gunshots. Why, we don't know. I don't have any idea why she heard the shots, but she did. She was well aware of what had happened. Some miracles are just unexplainable. But what is explainable is that Ralph and Nancy had a great love for one another. And the retired trooper and Dr. Green have also forged an unbreakable bond. Just this last January, the two men were honored by the state legislature for their heroic actions. I hadn't seen him in 40-some-odd years. But when we saw each other, we knew we were brothers. We knew that we knew each other and loved each other because not only did I save his life, but he focused my life to learn how to do what's most important, which is listen to the spirit, even in medicine. Trooper Evans agrees that their bond is unique. But when he walked in the door the first time when I saw him after 40 years, it was as though we'd never been apart, but I, I knew him like that. We were just buddy, that's what we were. We were, you know, equal people. <laughs> just like we'd known each other all our lives. He's a very special man. He really is. Back in 1979, after spending almost 10 months recovering, Trooper Evans was able to return to work on the police force. He went on to enjoy another 45 wonderful years with his wife, Nancy, before she passed in April 2022. He also went on to lead a youth group for special needs teens for 22 years. He grew the group from just over 30 members to over 150. He feels this may be one of the reasons he was saved that day. I personally really think the reason miracles take place is because there is a God, He loves you, he has something for you to do, and he needs you to do it. So he keeps you alive to do that. I really think one of the reasons I was kept alive was to work with those kids. I've developed a relationship with so many of them that it's awesome. They have love unfeigned. In fact, I always tell them, now, you get there before I do, and you see me coming, you be sure to tell them it's okay, he's with us. Because they're that kind of people. <laughs> Dr. Green also went on to adopt a special needs child. Both men feel this was part of their purpose in this life and have bonded over it. And both men agree that they were changed for the better on that tragic yet miraculous day in October 1978. I listened to the Spirit. And my wife listened to the Spirit and said, we'll go three hours early. And that was just such a miracle for me. My wife's passed away 19 years ago. But Diane and I used to talk about that event with our children, explaining to our children that when the Spirit speaks, even when it tells you to do things that seem illogical, you should do it. God 
wanted this officer to stay alive. And uh, the way he did that was to involve me and my family on the way to the airport. Isn't it cool how God uses us and can thread our lives together so that we can help one another? I know. And if you understand how God works, you know that he really had a hand in all of these things. It's true. And another thing that I thought was really interesting is that Ralph Evans talked about how he still wants to help people. He works in a memorial, uh, in a funeral home where he still helps comfort people and he's there for people. Mm -hmm. Never stop serving. We have a soundbite that we want to share from Ralph Evans that he talked about why he chose to go into this line of duty. And we'll play that for you now. I love people. I always have. And if I can keep you alive for another day, giving you a ticket, I know you don't like it. <laughs> but if that ticket will make you think, and you'll be careful, and it'll save your life, that's why I did. I didn't do it to be mean and nasty. I really didn't. So, Emily, I have to ask you a question. Yes, ma'am. How do you feel when you see those red and blue lights in your rearview mirror? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if I need their help in the middle of the night, I am very happy. If I am going <laughs> a little too fast, <laughs> quite a different story. <laughs> yeah. But it is a good reminder that they're just looking out for us. They are. It's so hard to remember that sometimes when you're like, I really don't want a ticket. <laughs> yes. Have you ever thought about like how scary it would be getting out of your patrol car and walking up to that window, not having a clue who's behind that window of the car? That seems so scary to me. I know. Anytime you are scared, you think, okay, I got my phone handy so that I can call 911. We're running from danger. They're heading toward it. And as scary as the situation may be, they're still answering the call. Mm hmm how lucky were those girls that a police officer just happened to drive by because it's not like they could have just called 911 and said, hey, come get us. This guy just assaulted us and threw us out on the side of the road. Even though I know this happened in the 70s, it took a minute to just dawn on me that they can't just pull out their phone and call 911. Yeah, life was different before cell phones. And I can't imagine how scary that would be. And who knows what would have happened to those girls had the police officer not come by right then. Yeah, so it's true. Two heroes in this story. Who have both gone on to lead incredibly heroic lives. And we know that Ralph Evans and Stan Green have had amazing lives after these experiences. Um, we want to dive a little bit deeper into what happened to this 13-year-old boy. I think his story is a little bit more sad. It's really tragic, actually. This 13-year-old boy went to trial and he was found guilty of attempted criminal homicide, and two counts of aggravated robbery. He was charged as a minor, so eventually he was able to get out. But from what we've heard, he's had a hard life. It sounds like he's had a lot of run-ins with the law yeah. over the years. And, you know, it just makes you hope that maybe at some point he'll turn things around and feel like he has a purpose for his life. But another thing Ralph said is that if the father or son were to walk in the door today, he would forgive them because he's already forgiven them. Yeah. I mean, we asked if they apologized in the trial and he said no, but regardless, he's forgiven them. And that's pretty inspiring. Mm -hmm. It really is. And I was also inspired by how much love Ralph Evans and Stan Green have for each other. 
I think when you go through something traumatic like this with someone, how can you not share this kind of tight love and bond with each other? Yeah, all these years later, these two still are so affected and so touched by this story and have such a fondness for one another. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Thank you for joining us. If you have a miracle to share, contact us at themiraclefiles.com or find us on Facebook. We'll post new episodes on the first day of each month. And if you enjoyed this podcast, please share it and leave us a review. Join us next time as we discover more of God's miracles. And don't forget to look for His light in your own lives. If you'd like to support us on Patreon so we can produce more episodes like this, go to patreon.com forward slash The Miracle Files. You'll get exclusive access to photos, videos, articles, and other content you won't find anywhere else. We'll also have live chats and we'd love to interact with you there. Thank you so much for your support.